Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Life's so full on. I've been working on this deck for ages. These steaks don't cook themselves, you know. Life's good with a Trex deck. Composite decking made from 95% recycled materials that won't rot, stain or fade. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. This is the Saturday Session with Daniel McCarty and Grant Elliott. Super Sounds of the 70s year with the sesh. Another Saturday session here on SCNZ. My name is Daniel McCarty. Grant Elliott is here. Producer extraordinary, Mr. Ben Francis. What a team. Buoyed by the Warriors. The Warriors are back. Warriors are back, aren't they, fellas? Warriors are back. And they like beating the Raiders. Can you play Don't Stop Believing? No. Soon? For the Warriors? It's the Warriors song. Ben Francis. Our number is 0800-150-811. The lines are always open. If you want to talk sport with us, we would absolutely love it. Double eight, double three. if you want to send a text message. Um, Michael writes, for Mother's Day, I'm taking her and my nephew to Sky Stadium to watch the Canes v Fiji. Good on you. I'm not sure my mum would enjoy that. Only if your mother enjoys footy. Does your mum enjoy footy? If she does, great idea. If you're unsure about that one, you might want to think again. (laughs) You may want to think again. Uh, we've had plenty of rugby chat in the last hour between 10 and 11. It is the Reese Super Rugby Fan Show. You can continue to react to that on 0800 As far as what's coming up on the show, we are we are a show of the people. Um, we, we love New Zealand. We've, we've done a fair bit of road tripping. We've talked about our road trips in the last couple of months. Plenty. Yeah, we, we like to touch all corners of this country. We're very Thanks. proud. And we also like to talk about what do you do after your playing career. That's mm. been a, an ongoing theme. Well, um, in about 15 minutes' time, we're going to speak to a man who um, leapt out of rugby and into to bees. Does this make sense? To be or not to be. To be or not to be. Oh, very well put, yep. Um, Tales from the Tractor. Once every month, we're going to call, catch up with a, an athlete who's, you know, now onto the, the next phase of their career. And we've got a great yarn, James uh, Annabelle, um, who is a former Taranaki player, played uh, overseas as well, is now a CEO of Egmont Honey. Mm, looking forward to catching up with him, how he transitioned into that. Well, we've got, we've got a number of tasks for me to do during um, my stints at SENZ. Are you going to add beekeeping to this now? Well, I'm just throwing it out there and saying maybe everyone that we speak on this segment, perhaps you and I should go and visit them, Daniel McCarty. We go on a road trip. I've got my <laughs> uh, ski jumping in Cardrona to do. I've got my uh, sculling to do, my one-person one rowing, um, my 50-meter swim against beaver. Let's just throw this into the mix. And then my visit to uh, Sturgeon Park as well on the West Coast. It, it really is racking up. It really is racking up. I'm looking forward to putting a question about beekeeping. Um, the dearly departed former great uh, broadcaster, my longtime colleague, Graham Moody, 
um, got into amateur beekeeping, is the way I'll describe it. Amateur. And slapped some bees into the back of his van and drove them over the, the Rumatakas. I'm not sure you should do that. I'm looking forward to, to putting that to our guests in about 10 or 15 minutes' time. Oh, is that illegal? To well, no, I'm just, surely it's high risk. Just your own crappy van, just chuck it in the back. What could possibly go wrong with a beehive in your, <laughs> on in the your van on the Rumatakas? What could possibly go wrong? Was he in his suit? <laughs> Fully. They must have thought it was, you know, nuclear fallout. But he get, when he gets out in Featherstone for a pie, you know, hey fellas, how you going? Just, just an amateur beekeeper on my beekeeping stuff. Oh, bless. How was the week, mate? How was your week? Uh, yeah, it was busy. I had a busy week. Um, well, no one wants to hear that on a Saturday. No, good busy. There's too many busy people out there. Good busy, though. Oh, like, busy it? is good, I guess. Um, but I always look forward to the weekend. Weekend of sports. Been following the IPL. I woke up to, you know, Ben Stokes smashing county cricket. Um, Brendan McCullum, next England coach. Yes. So when are we advertising? <laughs> fresh, fresh <laughs> off the press. It's obviously you know Brendan McCullum potentially England coach, or he's looking at at a consultancy job. And Daniel Vittori is um, assistant coach for Australia. You'd have to give your passport back, wouldn't you? Well, uh, one of our first ever shows um, on the Saturday session, uh, Grant Elliott was quizzed on could you coach another international team, not New Zealand? And I think you were willing willing to coach every team with a few provisos. Like, I think you needed Wazzy Macram as your assistant coach for, for, for in Pakistan, Pakistan, in Pakistan yeah. for example. But I'm pretty sure it was a categorical no way I could never help out the Australians. Yeah, no, I couldn't. Wow. No. What are you going to say to Daniel next time you see him? Well, I, I don't have his number anymore. It's taken it off my phone. You've deleted him. Yeah. Well, it, wasn't he our first, one of our first guests on the Saturday? No, you Saturday? promised him he would be our first guest, and then he didn't appear to about week three or four. Oh, he did the rubbish dump trick on us that he did to uh, Ricardo Ball. <laughs> Phoned me back in five, and then didn't speak to him for I'm the t- next two I'm years. I'm just arriving at the rubbish tip. <laughs> can you call me back in five so I can turn off my phone? <laughs> Thanks, Ricardo. <laughs> Uh, we should get him back though. If he does take that job, that'll be a um, that'll be a good discussion, I think. What, what's the Ben? You, you're the smart one amongst us. So you have a, a quadruple. What comes after a quadruple? You've set the bar Quint- really low. Quintuple. If I'm the smart one on the show, is it Quint? I want to say quintuple. Quintuple. That's what we'll I want to say. Yeah. Yep. If it's if it's not a word, it is now. Thanks to the Saturday session, you're welcome, people. The quintuple, Liverpool, going for the quadruple. And Everton getting relegated. That would be my quintuple. (laughs) That would be my quintuple. (laughs) Oh, how I will dine out on that. I've just Googled it. The first one I got says it is quintuple. Okay. So Liverpool on, well, my fandom on for the quintuple. But your boys, Everton. Why have you got such beef against Everton? They just beat Chelsea one, no? Think, Think about it, mate. But I'm guessing that might be your nomination for Sleep Drops Performance of the Week. Absolutely. Everton, under the pump. Everyone's saying they're going down, including you, Daniel McCarty, from the Saturday session. And um, they played against Chelsea, 1-0. Thank you. Take those points. And we're still in relegation zone, but that's all right because Leeds have got a real tough run. So they are your nomination. Yep. Any other nominations, or is it just one? You're going um, what about the dude from that game with time expiring in the crowd, grabbing the ball and hiding it up his shirt? Everton fan. That was one of the head. coolest, funniest things I have seen. <laughs> now, that, that's way better than any of you morons who run onto a sporting field. And there's a lot of morons. There, there appears to be an epidemic 
of sporting morons out there running. It seems to me there's a lot of people running onto sporting running onto fields, fields at the yeah. moment, and it's no good, especially barefoot. You're gonna get hammered. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it out there and say, do you think? I mean, a lot of businesses are blaming everything on COVID. Do you think that maybe <laughs> mental wellness is not that great after lock-ins and people are just going wild? Well, I don't see them running wild down the street. They've just decided, right, you know, I'm just going to take it out on a sporting contest. Yeah, but maybe, yeah, maybe a little bit too much of grandpa's old cough medicine, you know? They just get a little bit too fired up at the game. I, because I agree with you. I, you know, didn't see it at all. And the funniest thing about cricket, it's my best moment of commentary, is if you get there early, they do streaker training. Where what? the manager, the security manager, so everyone stands no, not, not in actually place. get your no, get off and run across the field no, no, like no. the guy at Sky Stadium a few weeks ago clearly needed to go through stripper training. No. You don't run onto the field, stop on the line, and then get undressed. No, it wasn't for streakers. It was for the security guards, and they're all standing around the field. And then suddenly the manager, the security manager, will walk around pretending that he's not going to jump. And then suddenly he jumps. And then everyone has to assume the position. <laughs> and they all go into this format where they try and close in on the streaker. Can you film that next time? I will. I will film Please it. Please film <laughs> some. St- I was going to say some stripper training there. That, whoa. 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 Some streaker training. Yeah. Fantastic. Great. That is wonderful. Yeah. I, I, that would be a nomination for me. That dude at the Everton game was an absolute highlight. Um, uh, we, of course, uh, thanks to Sleep Drops, um, would like to hear from you as far as um, the moments, the performances uh, of the week that have stood out for you. Uh, everyone who calls on 0800 150 811 will go into the draw. So if you've got a sporting moment uh, that has stood out uh, well above others, do let us know. Or you could text us on 8833. Everyone uh, goes into the draw to win a prize pack thanks to the wonderful team at uh, Sleep Drops. Um, uh, would love to get your contribution on that over the next couple of hours. Uh, we'll, we'll announce a winner a, a little bit later. But I'll get I'll get a little bit serious as far as my main nomination here, uh, Grant. Now, normally, if your team makes the top half of a competition and makes the playoffs, I would probably retort with a glib line, well, that is the bare minimum, right? That's the bare minimum. So I'm not going to get carried away. I'm not too excited. Finishing in the top half is what fans would expect, right? And it does not necessarily guarantee a successful season either, in my mind. But... I think I have to loosen the reins um, more than a touch when I think of the Wellington Phoenix in that context. What they have done for the past couple of years, uh, not just seasons. Um, last season, of course, they played away from home most of the time due to the tyranny of COVID wreaking havoc on not only our lives, but that of professional sporting leagues. And despite that, they, they finished just outside the playoffs in the A-League men's competition, just one point outside the top six. Uh, during that season, they played some lovely football, won plenty of admirers. This season, they've had to suffer again uh, on the road again, based in Australia. It's a significant disadvantage they've had to endure. And at times, it looked like the wheels were going to fall off. They didn't. Away from home, tw- 24 of 26 games, Grant. With just two games. One in Wellington, one in Auckland in front of their own fans. I'm, I'm sorry, but that's a mountain to overcome. Uh, you throw in COVID impacting the squad heavily. Um, I think even some players got it twice. Yeah. COVID twice. Um. They had a mixed-off season, I thought, with recruitment, some players arriving late to the piece. In January, the squad was more settled. But despite all these reasons, and these are all reasons why they shouldn't be anywhere near the playoffs, um, where they could have easily thrown in the towel. They've, they've mustered the strength, the class, and I think the character to make the finals. Um, their season is a success, no matter what happens from here on in. Of course, they've got one more round-robin game against the league leaders. I understand that's really going to be tough, but if they, they win that and other results go their way, they could actually host a home playoff game. 
Yeah. Uh, so, bravo, the Wellington Phoenix. You are my sleep drops uh, performer of the week. Uh, clearly well-rested, they were. Clearly well-rested. You need your rest, don't you? Yeah, you do need your rest, and you'll get that rest with sleep drops. But I, I actually saw Jason Pine's uh, message, and it was exactly along the lines of that um, on Twitter, where he said he's away for, they played away for 24 out of 26 games, COVID for everyone, some twice. No full suite of imports until January. Yeah. Injuries to several key players. David Ball on one foot. No <laughs> right to true. be there, but the Knicks are in the same. He's right. No right to be Go there, on. but they are. So bravo to them. Our number is 0800-150811. Text us double eight double three if you have a Sleep Drops Performer of the Week. Right, let's uh, quickly get to the job at hand as you ready yourself for your sporting week. Uh, let's update you on the sporting stories you need to know about it. We call it Editor-at-Large, in association with Burger King, home of the Whopper. Our New English Test captain, Ben Stokes, smashed a county championship record 17 sixes as he scored a stunning 161 off 88 balls on his first appearance for the season for Durham. That's frightening. Stokes dispatched Worcestershire's left-arm spinner Josh Baker for five sixes in a row. Left-arm kryptonite. The the last which brought up a 64-ball hundred. That is amazing. Well done, Ben. Ben had a great day out. Josh Baker had a bad day out. We'll get to that a little bit later. To the NRL, the Panthers, uh, they are human. They lost a game. Um, their unbeaten start of the season is over, having lost to their West Sydney rivals, the Eels, by 22 points to 20. The Eels trailed 14-10 midway through uh, the second half um, in front of a record sold-out crowd in Penrith before two brilliant pieces of uh, work from, I think it was uh, Madison and Brown, proved the difference in the end. Hey, Formula One news, Grant, I don't need to tell you this because you are New Zealand's leading Formula One expert. You already know that Lewis Hamilton has warned he is willing to miss the Miami Grand Prix as he refuses to back down in a standoff with Formula One's governing body over the wearing of jewellery in the car. Okay, how is this a thing, Grant? How is this a thing? Yeah, I, I think if I made that stance in international cricket, they'd say, well, don't. Don't play then. But he is a big name. He's a big yeah, name. Yeah, I know you achieved a lot, but... He's having a bad are you, season. Are you the equivalent of Lewis Hamilton? No. No. He's having a bad season, Lewis. So this might be a reflection on just how he's feeling about his season as well, because it seems a little bit pedantic, if you ask me. Seems a bit of a silly spat, doesn't it? Um, in Miami, um, Hamilton, who noted he um, had worn his nose and earrings in the car without issue for most of his career, uh, and that they could not be removed, made it clear he would defy the ruling if it meant he uh, was ineligible to compete. And lastly, it's time for our weekly update to see if Grant Elliott's favourite athlete who wants nothing to do with him. Oh, I like this one. Bit of George. Bit of George. Yeah. We've moved from Michael Bolton. We're upgrading. Of course, Sean the Flying Carrot. Yes, we know. It's tomato. Let's find out what he's been up to. Mr. White, in case you hadn't seen this, Grant, Sean uh, has purchased a new whip. <laughs> Do you know what that is? Yeah, I know. I listen to my rap music. I know what a whip is. Yeah, it's a term for a car, but this car's top speed is just 65 k's in short bursts. Uh, that's because he got a camel. No, he didn't buy a camel. Surely not. Surely he's losing the plot. In an Instagram post... Uh, uh, Sean posted a photo of himself next to a camel saying he got a new whip. Well, to be fair... It's actually unclear if the camel is his. He's a winter game specialist, so he would never have seen these sorts of things. He hangs around yeah. snow and ice and yeah, playing in the desert with a camel. Apart from all the, you know, all the summer sports he's played too, Grant. 
And lastly, uh, Super Rugby tipping uh, stats. Right, heading into the round, 12, 42 people were left with a chance to win 5,000 bucks thanks to Reese Plumbing. That means we lost 10 from last week. We were 52 last week. We have lost 10 more, uh, 42. So 42 people still alive uh, for um, uh, the $5,000 pool of cash provided by Reese Plumbing. We do appreciate their support. Um, and uh, unfortunately, after falling down the standings last week, the Saturday session is back, baby. It's sad for everyone else on SCNZ. Uh, we've, um, yeah, we've climbed up the ladder by 53 places. Yes. Where are we? 727. Oh, that's not great. Out of 2,167. Oh, that's all right. It's a little bit of Everton of the old. Yeah. Sort of mid-table. <laughs> mid-table mediocrity. We, we, we welcome that. There's also been a small rise in SEN uh, staff standings. Um, we're sitting at 50, 51st oh. out of 102. So we're smack bang in the middle. The true, the true definition of mid-table mediocrity. mediocrity. We really are. More mid-table mediocrity coming up after this break with you, we do hope, uh, throughout the show. But uh, Olds are with us. and it's, We've got a, a wonderful guest, a wonderful story to tell you all about. And we're really looking f- forward to starting this feature. We'll do it once every month. Uh, we'll talk about uh, venturing from sport into um, your second chapter of life. Um, and we, uh, in association uh, with Midas uh, Agra Tyres, um, we're going to tell you some wonderful stories. Tales from the Tractor, we have named it. And first up, former Taranaki uh, rugby player James Annabelle joins the programme. Stay with us. This is SENZ. 21 and a half minutes after 11 o'clock, you are with the ses- the Saturday session here on SENZ. He's Grant. Hi. Hi. Hello, Daniel. How are you? <laughs> Very well. Thank you for asking, Grant. Uh, time for Tales from the Tractor. Looking forward to this one. In association with uh, Midas Agra Tires, the choice of leading manufacturers, Midas Agra Tires. European quality made affordable. Uh, our thinking, what do you do after your professional or your, your sporting career? And, and we want to we touch all corners of New Zealand. We've Go got in. wonderful people in all regions doing fabulous things, including our very, very special first-up guest, former Taranaki forward. Former Taranaki forward. Uh, James Annabelle joins us, who is uh, these days now CEO of Egmont Honey. James, welcome to the show. Hey, g'day, guys. How's it going? Yeah, we are great. We are great. Sorry we're late. We're about six or seven minutes late because we got caught up listening to George Michael. So we got a little bit carried away with George, George Michael. Good tune. Yeah. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure you used to blast that on your, your, your headphones before a game for, for the mighty Naki, yeah. right? That would get you just in the no, spirit of, the you know. Games. Sure. <laughs> Hey, uh, James, your your nickname is the Mole, isn't it? Yes. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Sure yeah. I just got a um, <laughs> just got a little text. Story, I still don't really know. Yeah. <laughs> At least it's not Annabelle or Belly. So, yeah. It's yeah. Certainly stuck. Bello. Like yeah. Bello. Yeah. Oh, brilliant stuff. Now, now the backstory. You, you, you played for the Naki for a few seasons. Um, I, I think right. everyone at that time, what, late, late noughties, wasn't it? You had high aspirations of, of landing a Super Rugby contract. Um, it didn't happen. So, firstly, how, how difficult is that? How difficult is that to sort of negotiate, to be that close, but to ultimately yeah. fall a little bit short? Yeah, I mean, I think it's really hard, especially the first year that you're not playing rugby. So, um, I had a contract in front of me um, when I was overseas playing to come back, and it got pulled from me at the last minute. Um, and it was pretty tough, to oh. be honest, and especially that first season where you um, were expecting to play and, and then you weren't. 
Um, so it can be it can be a bit tough. I don't think I went to any of the games that season um, when I got back. But no. um, it forced me uh, it forced me to look you know more overseas. And and by doing that, I um, I guess by mistake fell into the honey industry and um, haven't looked back to be honest. So it's probably a, a blessing as, as frustrating as it was at the time. Yeah, um, James, when you when you say you haven't looked back, are there any regrets uh, with the career, or are you really happy where you are? Because not many players actually make the transition as well as you have. Yeah, look, yeah, I could have battled away for another few years, probably in and out of the the Tanaki side, and you know, kept trying for for Super Super Rugby, and I was probably a little bit small to be honest. So, you know, as as, as annoying as it was at the time, and and you know, I felt a bit screwed over. I probably was, to be fair, um, by the CEO at the time. Um, but, you know, I moved on pretty quick and, you know, it's probably three years of my life that I, that I gained back by, um, you know, getting on the business hustle and, um, you know, it's been a good run for us. Well, let's talk about the business hustle that you're on because I think you're in Hong Kong where you actually land sort of in the industry you're now. Normally I would associate Hong Kong and you're into the financial markets, but no, honey. Yeah, well, um, interesting. Please so explain. I, 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 How did this all start? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's interesting you say that because I went over and played rugby for, for Happy Valley, um, sort of a semi-professional side over there full of Kiwis. Um, and I had two options sort of in front of me. One was, was to go into a brokerage sort of firm um, and, and go into finance. And the other was um, through a mutual contact, come and uh, work for a, for a New Zealand honey company and try and push their brand in, in Asia. And I actually went for that option. Um, and that was for another company before I founded my own. And... Um, so that's where I sort of cut my teeth, I guess, in, in the business world. And, and I got that brand into in, sort of right through Asia, right through China, and then decided it was time to, to do it myself. I could do a better job, I thought. Um, bought my old man a beehive on Trade Me, told him he, he'd better, better learn that skill. Um, and, and away <laughs> we went. Yeah. <laughs> so um, how did you and, go about did you were you the were you the best bid on Trade Me or were there <laughs> were there a number of bidders for Buy this now. Buy now for dad. <laughs> Shit, I can't remember actually, but I remember yeah, winning it, and, and I hadn't bought him a bee suit, just the hive. So I said, go and buy a bee suit and pick it up before you get bad feedback on trade me. So um, that was that was the beginning of it, really. I, I've got to ask this, and I mentioned this to Grant a little bit earlier. My dearly departed former colleague Graham Moody, one of the best rugby commentators um, the world's ever seen, uh, got into sort of um, amateur beekeeping, and he slapped his hive in the back of a rusty old van. It was one of those shocking old vans, and drove on the Rimatuckers. That, that to me yeah. that sounds terribly dangerous. That sounds terribly. Yeah. That so much could go wrong there. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't sound like a great plan to me. <laughs> <Shit>. <laughs> yeah. Now, James, uh, one question I always have to ask about beekeeping is that: Do you have to wear the suit? Because you see some people that brave it out and go without a yeah. suit. Um, do they sting you? Yeah. So. Look, I'll be, I'll be honest, I don't spend that much time in a hive these days. We've got, you know, quite a large factory and, and exports 20-odd countries. But the beekeepers, I mean, we had clients in town yesterday, actually, and my father was doing the hive thing and showing them through the hives. And he's not wearing any gloves and that kind of... I mean, they yeah, they get stung a fair bit. Um, doesn't seem to worry them. Um, I, on the other hand, I'm a little bit allergic, so I stay as far away as I can, if I'm really honest. You're allergic to bees? Yeah, sometimes... <laughs> and you run a honey company? So, yeah, yeah, I know, so, it's not quite right, but... Um, oh, no, it's, it makes it even better. This makes it even better. And now, because I was going to ask, what type of son are you? And he's going, Dad, here, here's, here's a hive. Go do the work. But I, I understand now. I understand. Yeah, yeah, I understand. Yeah. You, you don't yeah. want to go near them. Exactly. I'll, I'll just stick to the export side. 
<laughs> so what 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 similarities do you see from playing footy, playing sport, to building yep. a company? Yeah, I, I think there's quite a lot actually. I talk about this a little bit because um, you know when when you're a young fella playing rugby, of course you'll think you're going to be an All Black. Um, and then you, you you make the Tanaki team and you want to make Super Rugby, so you kind of have this laser focus on on what you want. And and once that rugby dream is kind of gone, I think. You know, I became obsessed with the business side, and I just wanted to be the, you know, yeah. the biggest, the best hunter company, and extremely competitive. I think that competitive nature comes through, and you know, um, might, you know, might not sound right, but I take great pride in, in knocking a competitor off the shelf or, or executing a strategy that works um, to get our brand on shelf. You know, with big global retailers, we've recently gone into Walmart and Holland and Barrett in the UK, and um, wow. so I get great satisfaction in that. So I think. I think there's a lot of similarities, actually, and I think, for me, a lot of it's around that kind of, you know, having that sort of obsessive goal, and, and once you hit it, you, you move on to the next one. So if you've always been goal-orientated, one of those guys that scribble down things at the beginning oh, of a season or now, nah, uh, or an hour of a, a business year? Yeah, I don't, I mean, you know, in terms of writing down goals and things like that, I'm certainly not one of those kind of planners. Um, I think I just nerds, have internal nerds, milestones mate. Yeah, oh, I just think you set yourself up for failure, don't you? You know, I remember, you know, pre-game stuff. We used to go, we must beat this team, we must beat that team, or we could maybe lose against that one because they're superstars. You know, I, I don't, I don't believe in that. You set yourself up for failure. I think you just got to have internal goals and and you knock them off. You know, yourself. Um, that's that, that's me anyway. But um, not to say that you know, otherwise, are, are right or wrong. James, there's so many soft skills that we learn uh, while playing sport. You think about communication and teamwork, and um, you know Daniel alludes to that with the business you're in at the moment. But don't you think that there's so many sportsmen that finish their careers and have quite low self-esteem and don't actually realise the power and what sport has given them? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think it's probably getting better with some of the professional development programmes, but... Um, I think you've got to realise that you know when you're transitioning from from sport to to the real world, if you like, rugby is just the best place for networking, whether it's through sponsors or old timers who are supporters or used to play. I mean, you've in that in that time following rugby, or even in your last years, I guess, you've never got a better opportunity to network. So you have to make the most of it. And I remember, you know, when I got a brand into um, Walmart China, actually, that came through a rugby contact at the rugby club who happened to be a buyer for, for Walmart China, you know. So this was in Hong Kong, of course. So you've just really got to, got to work those networks for, for all, you, all they've got. Grant, I'm picking up, you, you're quite keen to work the hives here? Are you making yourself available? I I actually have always been interested in the whole beekeeping thing. Just well, well, here's like an extra note. honey, yeah. They need helicopters to get to some of them, don't you, James? Yeah, so we use helicopters right? to place. Most, yeah, we use helicopters to place most of our hives, and so obviously you can't drive to some of these areas because it's pretty pretty remote sort of manuka forest. So we um yeah we, we helicopter the hives in. Um, it only flowers for six weeks, and we when we pull them back out again and, and harvest. So yeah, it's pretty pretty intense time of the year. Well, James, I've got a number of things that I have to do for the show. One is um I need to go on a, a ski jump in Cardrona. Um, I've got to do uh, sculling, uh, scull rowing, or sculling, or whatever it's called. Um, I've got to go to Sturgeon Park. Um, I have to swim yep. 50 meters against beaver, and now I think beekeeping um, with you, maybe, maybe to go and get some honey off mm. the top of a 
cliff face somewhere and a helicopter might be on there. I don't like to speak on behalf of anyone, but I'm going to speak on behalf of James and uh, Egmont Honey and say thanks, but no thanks, Grant. <laughs> <laughs> Would I be right there, no, James? I'm, I'm happy to host that opportunity for you. Um, you know, <laughs> Haven't you watched his Instagram? And his terrible product <laughs> placement commercials that he's done. Go check out his Instagram feed from this week, James. No, please don't. Like, okay, I'll have, I'll if have you're having a whiskey, if you're having a if you're having a whiskey over a feed, what type of food are you having, James? What are you likely having? It's probably after dinner, isn't it? You've already eaten, probably. I would have thought. Grant's there yeah, trying to peddle so. some sort of whiskey on his Instagram. While sizzling sausages on a barbecue. Yeah, it's just outrageously wrong. It really Some is. Some sort of Lee Hart Yeah, yeah, I like it. <laughs> I, I do have to ask you, though, James, like if I am going to jump in a helicopter and go and get honey, I need to qualify how, how much you know about bees. Now, there's a few questions here. Now, how many eyes does a bee have? How many? Oh, I think you're oh, good question. Let's say up to 50,000. Depends on the time of the year, of course. Right now, there's not that many because the queen only keeps enough around her to keep her warm but and fed, of course. But I don't know. Let's say, let's no, say he's got a th- 50, he, He's got a thick South African accent. He was yeah. asking how many eyes, as in <laughs> humans have two eyes. Oh, how many uh, eyes? Contemporaries have one eye. Contemporaries have one eye. Bees have how many eyes? Oh, shit. I don't know. A couple. He don't, why would he? Mate, how why do you would know? He I'm not getting in that, that Grant. I'm not getting in why a helicopter he, with you. As long you, as they, they know where they, to go to make the honey, that's all he cares about. This is fascinating. They've got five eyes. I just, I just, that's what I heard. Yeah, oh, no. yeah. You well, during the break, well, you were asking me what's the difference between a wasp and a fly. <laughs> well, one's a freaking wasp, and the other one's a fly, mate. I've got so many no, questions. It's a, a bee, rather. Oh, I'm getting confused now. Anyway, James, what's next for Higmon Honey as he tries to pull this back and end this interview with some sort of sensibility? Um, for us, look, it's just, it's just about continued growth. So we've grown really quickly. You know, we're, we're, we only launched the brand in 2015 and we're sort of north of 40 million revenue now um, annually. Brilliant. So it's just really about knocking off some more big retailers, um, particularly in the US at the moment. Um, we're seeing that as a big growth market and, um, and, and just keep going. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an exciting ride that we, we love. I've got a great team around me. Um, and um, yeah, just just keep on going. Good on you. Good on you, James. Have you got any other rugby players involved, James? Uh, people that are finishing their careers or mates that that um, that you thought would be really um, decent well, in this. Well, his going to go off now. They've they've got forty million dollars in revenue. <laughs> uh, look, mm-hmm. Jason Eaton did a little bit of sales work for us when he came back from from France. Um, in Wellington, and um, I think he's gone on to the building apprenticeship, actually. But then um, Jimmy Goffith does a little bit for us in the UK still. Um, oh, fantastic. You know, yeah, yeah. So he does a little bit of brand sort of um, promotional work for us in the UK. Um, sort of the face of the brand at times, if you like. So, yeah, look, we, 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 we utilise the, the rugby contact still, which is um, which is pretty cool. See some cross-pollination there between bees and wasps. See what I did there? That's really bad. I like it. Yeah, that, that's really bad. Uh, James, thanks so much. Um, I, I just I just have visions one day. Taranaki have been crying out to have their own Super Rugby franchise. What about the Egmont Bees when it happens? Yeah, look, I'm there. I'm there. I'll be front of short sponsor, <laughs> maybe. Right. Do you still watch much footy these days? Really, honestly, not that much. No. Um, yeah, I find it, you know, I just, just find it hard to track who's who and who the players are and um, so I don't watch a huge... I mean, I watch the All Black stuff, of course. Um, but no, not, not a huge amount, if I'm really honest. 
Well, that's fair enough, mate. You've, you've got a little bit on your plate um, at yeah. uh, Egmont Honey. We really do appreciate your time. Thanks so much for sharing uh, your stories here on Tales from the Tractor. Go well. Yeah, thanks a lot, James. And congrats on a, a great transition out of the sport. Amazing to speak to Thank you. Thank you. You've, Cheers, have a great you've just spent the last Thanks. 10 minutes pondering how you're going to go work for him, haven't you? Like, oh, I, I want to get on that helicopter. <laughs> I'm quite keen to go and have a look at these hives. I mean, I love honey. Do you not like enjoy honey? I love a bit of honey. Who doesn't honey like on honey? toast, honey and tea. Who doesn't tea. like honey? Yeah. Cooking? Uh, soy chicken? Honey on bacon? Honey on bacon? Well, you get the bacon, you know, which is... Sorry, like, I've just got visions of you spreading honey no. on your bacon. No, no, no. Which I would have thought that's a crime against bacon. Well, it wouldn't be. It oh, tastes bacon. pretty good. Top top three meats of all time. Bacon, bacon, and bacon. <laughs> it's a good test to see if you're <laughs> vegan. If you don't like bacon. Yeah, but I mean, what a, what a great transition from yeah. James. I mean, I think there's a lot of sports people that I've played with and that I know that when they finish sport, they've got a lot more to offer than they really do believe um, they can. And I think what sports people learn from the sport around communication around teamwork resilience um and around goal setting and you hear the drive that james has got just for, for honey you just you change the focus it's not rugby it's honey now and you apply the same skills that you used in the sport tales from the tractor with uh, mitis uh, mitis agra tires uh, made in europe and trusted by leading equipment manufacturers worldwide it's european quality doesn't have to break the bank ask for Midas Agra tyres for your equipment. Um, another towel from the tractor in a month's time here on SENZ. 23 away from uh, 12 o'clock. We will take a short break. The weekend words, the sporting quotes that um, were intended and unintended uh, in this week's instance uh, is up next. Grant will now scramble to go find one because he's always prepared. Nice playing there, Grant. Pretty good on a piano. 18 minutes away from 12 o'clock. This is the session, the Saturday session on SCNZ. Grant Elliott's here. My name is Daniel McCarty. And we invite you to join us. Double eight double three, or pick up the phone 0800 150 811. Of course, our Sleep Drops Performer of the Week is, is always something we want to elicit from you. Um, the, the sporting highlights, lowlights. I think Bruce called in a little bit earlier when we were, were chatting to James, our previous guest, to say, uh, Lydia Co. I'm not sure what for. Um, maybe the interview, and if it was the interview, I can completely understand. Yeah, Excellent, direct, straight to the point. It was good. She was just completely direct, and I think a lot of women, from what I heard this week, they were like, good on her. Yeah. She's just come straight out with it, because it can't, it wasn't, I think, I don't think you can use it as an excuse, but what she said is, is that when I have my time of the month, my back cramps up a bit, and I get a stiff back, and that will inhibit her swing. So it was the fact that she gets stiff back, not the fact that, you know, it's that time of the month. But I think good on her for saying it. So keep your nominations coming through on uh, either 0800 150 811 or text us double eight double three. You can all go into the draw to win a prize pack thanks to the team at Sleep Drops. All right, we go to the weekend words now, brought to you by Burger King, home of the Whopper. Now these are the sporting quotes that have stood out to us for a variety of reasons. Uh, my two are hot mic moments. And it's no interview. Uh, Declan Rice playing for West Ham after they lost to Eintracht Frankfurt in the Europa League semi-final. Of course, um, you win the Europa League, you get into the Champions League. So emotions are running hot. Players walking down the tunnel. There was a guy sent off in the 14th minute. Criswell, clearly it was a rare card offence, I thought. No other conclusion. The referee 
could have come to, as the rules are actually written. By the way, that referee didn't write the rules, or the, the laws of the game, whatever you want to call them. Um, but there is a video now uh, um, going around, um, and now West Ham are also aware of this video, that appears to show Declan Rice accusing the referee of corruption. That's the way one story is written. It appears to show Declan Rice accusing the referee of corruption. Okay, I'm gonna, I'll give you the quote. Um, ref, ref, it's so poor all night, it's so bad. How could you be that bad, honestly? You've probably been bleeping paid, bleeping corruption. Now, I'm not sure if that is appears or is absolutely categorical. He's called him a cheat. He's called him corrupt. Oh. Right, you've been stiffed by many umpires, I'm sure, over the years. You just can't do that. And I understand. Yeah, hugely disappointed. But that, that crosses the line, right? Accusing someone of corruption. To be fair, I just saw the video from you, and it was in the tunnel um, after, after the, the game, game, and there was a camera on him. <laughs> he should have just quietly just whispered there's, it in his ear. He's shouting. Obviously, he's shouting. He was fired up. Um, and that's the thing is, you know, you get so emotional as a player because the sport is the most important thing in your life yeah, when you're playing it. the refs are human. I know they are. I know did he are. give a, did he give away the ball in the game? Probably. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, you can't do that. You can't behave like that as a player. But all I'm saying is that you do get red mist but as he, a player. Nothing will happen. You can't condone that sort of behaviour. He might get a strongly worded letter, uh, or, or he'll get fined ten thousand pounds, and he's getting paid at one hundred fifty thousand pounds for the week. What's your quote? Mine's football as well. Um, oh, here we go. More Everton propaganda coming our way. No, Manchester United. Gary Neville has waded in on social media amid Jesse Lingard's reported unhappiness at not being selected against Brentford. Oh, yes, Old Trafford. Jesse Lingard's brother went on social media with quite the rant. Farewell. Yeah. So Gary said, I don't get the Lingard fuss at all. I saw far better players than him not get a perfect send-off. He wants to leave. He wanted a free transfer. He's got it. Move on. Ouch. Yeah. Jesse Lingard's not a icon of the club. I, you know, perfect. Who, who ever gets the perfect send off? That's the thing is like I don't think it's your God given right as a player to have the perfect send off. If you pretty you sure know, the season hasn't also finished, by the way. Yeah, and also if you retire, maybe that's slightly different. But you know, you you don't have to have it. What you was know? your What was your last competitive game? Competitive. Ooh, um, for New Zealand? No, just your last competitive game. Uh, it was actually in uh, Pukekura Park when we won the T20s. That's a good way to go out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, it may have been... Wellington a... give you a send-off? No, I didn't. Well, no, I, I, don't, I didn't really announce my retirement. Because, I mean, you can't announce your retirement from four-day cricket and test cricket, then one-day cricket, then T20 cricket, then, you know, going on the circuit. It's like, how many retirements do you want? You just... I didn't need... Uh, I don't know the validation that I'd retired. Right. Just I, and I, walk into the sunset quietly. Yeah, unlike the Lingard family. Uh, Sergio <laughs> Garcia, I'll turn to golf and I'll finish off with this quote. Appeared to confirm his intention to compete in the Saudi-backed uh, LIV Golf International Series. Of course, that's creating uh, quite the, the ruckus in, in a golf uh, circles, of course. Um, huge money up against a, a mighty competitor in the PGA. And then there's, of course, um, the, the Saudi aspect to it. I know you can do business with Saudi Arabia, but um, you're going to have to to cop a fair bit of criticism. Um, <laughs> um, he was playing during the opening round of the TPC uh, Photomatic uh, when he put he was put on the clock by 
the ground official because he was in the deep grass, couldn't find his ball. So you're on the clock, right? Find your ball or penalty stroke, yeah. move on. And he's picked up on, on the on-course microphone saying, I can't wait to leave this tour. I can't wait to get out of here, my friend. <laughs> A couple more weeks and I don't have to deal with you anymore. <laughs> Once again, right. athlete's frustration. Yeah, that, that's not bad. Um, from one Sergio Garcia who's made 54.3 million US from the PGA Tour. Um, in 398 events. On average, um, he makes $136,000 and change every tournament on that tour. But hey, he can't wait to leave them. I thought you were going to say per shot. There's <laughs> a, a total payout of $255 million for that, uh, that tour. Yeah, there's a lot of cash. We'll, we'll break that down maybe in the weeks to come, uh, and Phil T will be all over it here on SCNZ. Dean, um, that was that was uh, the week in words. We'll quickly go to Dean. Have you got a highlight of the sporting week? What's your sleep drops performance of the week, mate? Well, definitely Liverpool. Has to be Liverpool. But um, I, get, I was listening to Staffy there the other day, and I, I give him a call. He's talking to some guy that I believe is absolutely cracked it. And it's my old harping thing that where's the pathway for coaches? Like the, the fact that a professional coach of an international team has to hire a coach to coach him, for me, sums up exactly why some ex-players are outstanding. Razor Robertson, to name one. Baz McCullum, to name another. But they're like hands, teeth, the ones that can actually go in there. I'm sick to death of seeing international, in New Zealand particularly, given a job to an ex-player, unlike the guy that didn't quite crack it for Taranaki or might have had a couple of games, decided I'll do something else. Well, he's driven because he's getting kicked in the bum. These spoilt ones, they don't make coaches. And there's no pathway for a coach. Like the women's Blackburns team is a classic example. They needed uniting the whole outfit. And the coach of Manawatu's name has got Unity in his surname. And he wasn't even given a chance. Like, I don't... What's he got to do? Yeah, yeah it's, it's an interesting point. Uh, firstly, the, the, there's limited opportunities as far as jobs. Just a head count. There's, it's not a wide industry. It's you're, talking, you're, you're talking it's New profe- Zealand? No, professional sports coaching. Yeah. I mean, professional sports coach. Yeah. There does seem to be a real element of who you know. And this perception too that if you're a you're a former player, you will make a good coach. When someone who has no playing track record, like myself, yeah, you wouldn't even think about it, would you? Well, I think, you know, having gone through this a little bit recently, you need to be able to mix executive skills with the skills of a sports person, and those people are few and far between. Thanks, Dean. Appreciate your call. Back after this break. I'm joined today. I hope the uh, listeners are too. Um, some great points being made by uh, our always knowing. Knowledgeable. Our listeners may that continue on double eight double three or on 0800 We've got a legend coming up in the next hour. Mm, we do. Can I reveal it? Yeah, that's not? that's. Oh, that was the cue. Yeah, that's a cue. Mark Sorensen. And we will definitely be having. I sat next to him on a plane. I wonder if he'll remember. If he doesn't remember. Did you chat to him? I did chat to oh, him. Oh, you were chatter. I'm a chatter on a plane. Oh no. I always get the middle really? seat. The middle you seat. You get the middle seat. To chat to people on the plane. Yeah, then it gives you the option right So you're left. the worst type of human. Yeah. Not on a long haul no flight. One, no though. one likes a chatter, mate. <laughs> we'll find out if Mark Sorensen did. <laughs> At about quarter past 20 past 12, our Art Legends segment. Uh, stay tuned. Plenty more to come. Uh, this is the Saturday session here on SCNZ. Keep your messages rolling into us. He still gets gadgets in the mail. To help them fight his fight.
Final hour of the show. I hope you're okay with that, listener. I hope you're okay with that. Your day will go on. It will still be beautiful. It will still be wonderful. Just be without Grant Elliott. That song um, with the guitar actually reminded me of a social media clip I saw this week of Kane Williamson singing a Sunrises Hyderabad song. Oh, was it bad? (laughs) With all due respect, the... um, the IPL has subjected a few of their players to some shocking promotions over the years. Well, I mean, what do you... They do, but a cheese on toast what, quite well. What do you do if your million-dollar owner, or sorry, billion-dollar owner I, says to mate, you... don't even go any further. You Kane, sing I need you. I need you to sing a song. Get up there and sing. And you're like, there's no way I want to get up there. There is no way. I've seen Shane Watson do it. I've seen um, Steve Smith do it. And now I've seen Kane do it as well. But there's, what was he singing? Uh, it was a song that they made up. Oh, even worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. An original. And he had Glenn Phillips there singing it with him. So it's, you were not making this a, a late nomination for our Sleep Drops performance of the week? No, I didn't fall asleep during it. I was, I was giggling away. You were giggling away. Yeah. Giggling away. <laughs> our number is 0800-150-811. You can text us on double eight double three. Our... Uh, competition for the Sleep Drops prize pack um, rolls on throughout the final hour of the show. Another nomination here, Steve Alka. 18 win, outstanding last 17 tournaments, three wins, 14 top 10s. That's incredible. Uh, thank you very much for uh, that message. Outstanding last 17 tournaments, three wins, and 14 top 10s. Uh, the sporting moments uh, you've loved during the week, our Sleep Drops performance of the week. Keep those nominations uh, coming through. Old Mr. Everton over here. Uh, claiming the the victory over Chelsea, uh, the highlight. Great I, victory. I think the fans shoving the ball up his shirt was even better than that. What about Ben Stokes? He had a pretty good week. Yeah, no, that wasn't bad, but it's county cricket. so. Ooh. Yeah. How many times did you hit 17 sixes in county cricket? No, I the didn't. answer to that is zero. <laughs> um, you're a Halberg winner, aren't you? Naturally. Naturally. <laughs> what, what Halberg Award did you win? The moment of the year. All oh, right. And I reckon I was robbed for the decade moment of the year. Oh, yeah. Clearly, you're over that one. So you yeah. won You won a Halberg yeah. for some a two-second thing. <laughs> yeah, but I mean... Over- did you know on the same night, our guest this hour was uh, inducted into the New Zealand Sports Hall of Fame? What? As in... That in the- night. Oh, really? That night you won the uh, Sporting Moment of the Year at the Halbergs. Yeah. A real athlete. I wasn't there. Was um, honoured for their career, mm. not just two seconds. Well, they called me the hairy javelin as well on the night. I wasn't even there. I, I wasn't there. I think Mike Hessen um, received the award on my behalf. But we, no, it's a great evening. Very good evening. Yeah. Well, I was really talking more about our guest, Grant, but that's all right. Um, Mark Sorensen is uh, joining the program. He will be our Saturday Session Legends guest uh, for the A proper week. legend. A proper legend. <laughs> like, with all due respect, you're a legend in my eyes, right? You're one of the, one of the greats going around. Thanks, Daniel. Uh, Mark did win one or two more world titles than you, um, in fairness. Grant, to that point about Ben Stokes, uh, and I'm just trying to hurriedly actually find it. There it is, to, to give you the exact details. He had 161 off 88 balls. It's 17 sixes, mm. including hitting five sixes off a left-arm spinner, Josh Baker. Five sixes in a row, that is. I'd like to know, so you could you look at this at one of two ways. Ben Stokes, what a day out he's had, but poor old Josh Baker. He's had a miserable day. Yeah. I'd like to know the highs and lows. 
What's the best day out you've had? I'm sure you've probably, you know, plundered some rubbish bowling attack to all parts of a poxy New Zealand cricket ground and got like an inflated hundred. I, d- I have done that in club cricket. I've got two inflated hundreds. One was for Nainai where I walked to the pitch and I went, we're not playing on this. <laughs> and then we lost the toss, Eric. batted. I'm Grant Elliott. I'm not playing I on this. I never that. said that. I said, well, Don't you know who I am? There's no way we should be playing on this. Like it had I'm rained. an Alberg Award winner. <laughs> it had rained the night before and it was just so wet. But it was just like a film of mud on the top. Anyway, we played and got 155. But... um. The, uh, the one I'm thinking of was Ben Burn Park. We played against Karori, and it was a small windburn park, I like to call it. And, um, yeah, it's got a 140-odd or 58 balls. <laughs> so you smacked it. Yeah, but... What about your worst day out? Because I'm that type of guy. I'm, I'm more fascinated by Josh Baker going, oh, five yeah, so sixes in a row. That, that That's a rough day. I've had some Josh your Baker worst days. Sporting day, and I'd love to, to ask our weekend warriors this. Yeah. What what is your worst sporting day out that you've had? Yeah, have you have you you know not touched the ball for ninety minutes and then conceded a heroic own goal to? I, I could bring up my brother-in-law. Hopefully he's l- listening. Damien, <laughs> he's got a hat trick of own goals. Well, I, I've got I've one got game, two stories. What's the worst sporting day you've had? Oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven. Text us double eight double three. So I've got a grassroots story yeah. about someone who had a horrible day out, which is quite funny. A good mate of mine in England. And then um, my worst day out, the one that just comes to mind, is no one wants to get a pair. Um, and a pair is two ducks in a game, so a four-day game. Um, I faced three balls against Canterbury, and I got zero runs in four days. And I remember getting out. On my, so this was your worst week out. And I left it. I believed in the leave. <laughs> Logan Van Beek off pole out the ground. First ball. Yeah, of the second, that was my, to get the pair. And um, I just remember getting the plastic chair in the showers and going to town on it. It was broken into many small pieces. I was quite angry. But my mate uh, in England, uh, he, he, he had probably had quite a late night, well, you know, English club cricket, and he went to warm up. He swallowed a fly <laughs> and then <laughs> had to vomit a few times by the tree and while he was vomiting, he pulled his hamstring. <laughs> so I don't know oh, how he did oh, that. Oh, that's, that's some quite heavy, dry reaching going and on. We went into bat. He swallowed a fly and pulled his hamstring so whilst he, vomiting fly up. And he carried up. So he still played. <laughs> and then he went out to open the batting and got run out for about three. And that was just the cherry on the top. That was That's a bad day out. That is a horrendous day out. If you can top that... A pair in first-class cricket's pretty bad, Grant, and especially in three balls. Yeah, but everyone gets a pair. It happens, but your mate, that's a particularly bad day out. Yeah. So um, any listeners out there have got their own bad sporting day out, we'd like to know. Uh, tell us about your own Josh Baker. Um, 0800 150 Francis is always full of happy stories. I'm sure, I'm sure he's got one here. It's the day that Grant Elliott hits. Oh. Oh, I thought you were talking you about my, my, my own amazing sporting career. Yeah, well, have you got, what's your worst sporting day out? I got ejected in a basketball game. It was my last ever game I played for school for pretty much abusing the ref. Uh, I'd say that was probably my worst day. The only ever time I got you know ejected as well, but uh, this is basketball for yeah, abusing the ref. That was probably it. And was that a fair decision? Absolutely not. So you didn't <laughs> abuse the referee? No, I, I did. 
I, I, ha- I have I have quite a temper out on the on the sporting field, like another okay, time. Okay. So you've just admitted to us that you abused the referee. Yes. But you felt like you shouldn't have been ejected. So no. it was it was acceptable levels of abuse. Well, I, I, Definitely I, should have I, been I do, ejected. <laughs> I do have a track record of doing it, though. So we used to do house netball at school, and I abused the ref there. And they sent me off, and then I plead innocence and said it wasn't me. And then the teacher grabbed one of the people on the side and was like, come here, don't yell at the referee like that. So I got away with it then. You're painting a picture of you. You have some sort of some anger management issues that we we might need to talk. About. Red mist, <laughs> white line red fever. Mist. He does get the red mist, doesn't he? I, I do. I do. I do have a bit of a temper. Was, on was it as bad as was it as bad as swallowing a fly, vomiting fly <laughs> up, and pulling a hamstring before getting run out with a hamstring injury for three? Absolutely. I, I, no. I, I, there's got to be someone listening now who's got a worse story than Grant's mate because that's magnificent. Yeah. As far as bad sporting days out. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to hear. 0800-150-811. While being hungover. He was slightly hungover as well. And he was hungover. Yeah. Of course. I think there'll be a direct correlation between a lot of these stories and how much was imbibed the night before. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there'll be a bit of a correlation here. Uh, so we would love to hear from you, uh, the listeners. Uh, thanks to, to Josh Baker, who's gone for five sixes in a row. That's a pretty bad day out. Uh, we want to know your worst sporting day out. This is your own career. This is not, I was watching... Man City can see two goals in the 90th minute against Real Madrid the other day. No, your own sport. We'd love to, to hear from our weekend warriors uh, here on SENZ. Uh, it's 10 minutes after 12 o'clock. Please do, please do let us know. Where are we going now? You looked at me blankly there. Yeah, I thought we were going to a break. I we, always, we, are. Oh, we are. I think we are going to a break. Coming up next, though, we will uh, chat to a man um, who didn't have too many bad days out. A lot of pitchers had bad day out when... Um, when they face this guy, uh, world champion um, in so many ways, um, true great of New Zealand sport, absolute legend of uh, softball, Mr. Mark Sorensen, is our Saturday session legend for this week, the 7th of May, can't believe we're already into May, Grant, uh, and of course, um, our Saturday session legends, brought to you by Somerset, think legendary, care think Somerset Retirement Villages, Mr. Mark Sorensen will join us up after this. Quarter past 12, SENZ, Daniel McCarty is here, Grant Elliott is alongside me. We take you through till 1 o'clock. We'll catch up with the Good Oil team a little bit later. We'll uh, give you our sporting tips that you should run a mile from. But right now, all part of the Saturday session uh, uh, legend segment, we welcome in an absolute legend in New Zealand, New Zealand sport. Do you know, Grant, how you bang on about making that World Eleven? <laughs> I don't bang on about it. You do bang yes, on I about it. I played for the World Eleven. You played for the World Eleven. <laughs> I think our guest made his World Eleven equivalent 12 times. A true legend. Yeah, it, it's slightly more than one, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's 12 times more. And I'm pretty sure there was a lot of injuries when I made mine. <laughs> yes. uh, winning. He's done a whole heap of winning um, and a long, long association he and his family have had with softball. And long may it continue. He really doesn't mean, need too much of an introduction. Uh, multiple world champion. Here's Mr. Mark Sorensen who joins us on the program. G'day, Mark. G'day, Mark. Hello, hello, Min. How are we doing? We are good. I'm a little bit worried about my co- colleague being a little bit deflated after that comparison. Did I get that right? 12 times you're in the all-world team? 12 times? Uh, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Listen to it. Uh, yeah, you lose got, count got, got, got lucky a couple of times. <laughs> yeah. Got lucky a couple of times, eh? <laughs> Once you've been in there a couple of times, they just get used to putting your name in, I think. Yeah. 
Exactly. Uh, now, Mark, uh, we were discussing um, etiquette on the plane, and I don't know if you remember, we sat next to each other. Um, hopefully it yeah. was memorable. Um, uh, yeah. Probably about four years ago, and I was talking to you about T20 cricket, and I was like how cricketers should actually right. um, adapt their game to a little bit of softball, and I thought that you had a bit of space in, in cricket or a place for coaching cricketers about big hitting. Yeah, I, I do remember that. Uh, that, that. That made that plane trip go really quickly. Yeah, you see, because Daniel was abusing me, saying, oh, you're not one of those people that speak to people well, on the plane. He's a chatter, Mark. He, he deliberately gets the middle seat in a plane to chat to people, to annoy people <laughs> yeah. next to him. I just cannot wait for one day you sit next to my wife, who is the anti-chatter, the anti-chatter, and she will give you daggers like no one else we've ever seen. No one likes to chat yeah, on a plane, do they, Mark? Most people on a plane get on there and avoid eye contact. They certainly either want the window or the aisle, and they avoid eye contact so they don't have to talk to you. But, yeah, I, I, well, I'm not sure who started, to be fair, I'm not sure who started the conversation, actually. I don't know whether it was Grant straight away, but um, I think we both had an equal time with the talking stick. Yeah, I was just waiting for you to stop. I just wanted to look out the window. No, I'm joking. <laughs> no, I thought it was a very productive, it was a productive discussion, wasn't it? And I, I still think that there's space in cricket for softball batting coaches um, to teach batters about how to unweight and actually to deliver those blows at the death of, of an innings. To unweight? So, un- you, you, unweighting. so you think Mark can turn back time? No, unweighting is like on your back foot and oh, then transferring sorry. the weight. Oh, sorry, Mark. D- D- W-E-I. <laughs> turn back yeah, time. Yeah, I yeah, tell yeah, you what, sorry. mate, I could always do a lot of things, but that, that might be stretching it, turning back time. <laughs> well, it, but, well, turning back time. What, what's your, and I'm sure you've been asked this so many times, what, what's your earliest memory of you specifically in softball circles? Was it in the backyard picking up something, trying to whack it? What is your earliest memory? Um, I, I still remember the very first game I played, and it's weird because, um, you know, you, you forget more than you remember, but I remember the first game I played, it was at Nonai Park. I was about five or six um, we were playing, uh, I was playing for Cardinals, a club I played my whole career for, and uh, we were playing Hutt City, who, who was the Cardinals' nemesis for years and years, and I went up to bat and, and struck out, and I think I cried all the way from the batter's box to, to the dugout where the team was, um, and Dad came over and sort of patted me on the shoulder and, and said, don't worry, that will happen more times in your career than what you'll care to remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah, flush, flush the dunny and move on. It, it's great advice, isn't it? Because softball's a sport. You fail more than you succeed, don't you? The, the, and the batting average oh, tells yeah. us that. Yeah. You know, you don't have five hundred. You can fail seven times out of ten. <laughs> it's it's incredible, isn't it? Three hundred so, is a great average. So being, yeah, yeah. So so being able to forget, even though you didn't forget that moment, is really important for any softballer. Yeah. Yeah, it's. I mean, you, you have lots of, and I'm sure Grant, you know, can can attest to this as well. You have lots of uh, cool little things that happen over time, and it's not always the 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 big things that you remember. Although you certainly do, you know, winning world titles and stuff is obviously pretty cool. But I think it's the, you know, it's the small memories that you know you really cherish and you look back on, and you know, especially if it's been with people that you've you've played with and alongside for a long time, you know, it's those, those shared experiences, which, you know, I look back on from a, a playing perspective and think is, um, you know, as, as some of the best memories uh, and the best times in my career.
Yeah, absolutely, Mark. It's definitely being in and around your teammates and those amazing memories that you have with them. But it's quite good to hear and refreshing to hear that softball is also a game of failure because cricket is as well. And I think that that actually teaches you as a youngster to, to be really resilient. And, I mean, looking at your career, you had a very resilient uh, – well, you had a lot of resilience about you. But what was the turning point? So when you go from that – time of being the kid with a dad pats you on the shoulder and says, don't worry, that's going to happen more times than not. Um, where were the turning points in your career where you thought, hey, I, you know, I think I could actually be pretty good at this? Well, probably when he was born, I, I would have thought. <laughs> right, Mark? Well, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's, you know, I, I'm fortunate or whatever you want to call it. I, I made the Black Sox when I was 16, right? And that's, wow. I started that season just in my second season of uh, Premier Softball. So, um, you know, then all of a sudden through the through that year, I think, you know, you started to have a little bit of success. And as a as a 16-year-old, there's there's either two ways you can approach things. One is you can you can be scared shitless, right, about going out there and playing with men, or you you don't really care, you know, because there's no expectation. Um, and I was probably the latter. That it was like, you know what. I've, I've got this name on my back um, that comes with a lot of expectation, mm. you know, and, and, and that's enough. I, I don't need to put any extra pressure on myself. So I think I just went out there and, and played, and then all of a sudden, you know, you've got a top batter in an event, and, you know, you've got an MVP in another event, and you, you all of a sudden you start to think, you know what, I, I've actually just played against the best players in New Zealand at the moment, and I felt like I did okay. Um you know, and, and when you lose that, I suppose it's that element of fear, uh, you know, you're walking up to the batting box not hoping to succeed. You're walking up expecting to succeed, and which is a big call for a 16-year-old, but you go up there with confidence Huge. and trust in your ability. Um, and I, I think it was probably that year that uh, I really started to think, well, you know what, I, I think I actually belong here. Um, I can do okay. 16, though, playing international uh, sport, it's something. In the middle, so we're talking about 85 by my math, 86, something like that, Mark. Am I, am I right? I'd like to know, are you on tour? And, 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 what, and what on earth And what on earth do your teammates do with you at the end of the night when they go and want to go and have a brewski? Like, stay in your hotel room, room stay in your room, 16. Yeah, that's, that's, that's it. it. They get you a can of, can of Coke and a packet of chippies and tell you to watch some TV and stay in your room. Um. It's almost like after you, you, after you, you, gone, after you gone two from three with a with a homer and a triple, it's like no, you can yeah. you can sit down in your hotel room. There's, there's some. I didn't even get your salt and vinegar chips. It gave you the boring, you know. No, no, I, I remember ones, that happening in the, on my in the first tour. I went on to to the World Cup in '84, and we're in a place called Lancaster, California, which is out in the out in the desert. And yeah, the, they were going out to a bar and. You know, I walk out of the room and the manager's there and he and he just shakes his head and I'm like, okay, I'll go back inside. <laughs> God, I can't even sneak out. Mark, I've, I've always thought that to make the ultimate sports person, um, especially in cricket, I always think if we can get the head of a 40-year-old on the body of a 23-year-old then um, or the mind of a 40-year-old, then I think that we've got a, a, an amazing athlete. But it sounded like you, sounded like you had that mental capacity at an early age. What what do you think brought that on? Well, I think, yeah, um, 
we joked about it before in terms of, you know, probably from birth, but in all seriousness, I think I went to my first softball game um, with mum and dad when, when I was about two weeks old. Um, so I was always around the park and, you know, it, it became it became sort of, uh, what would you call it, your, your happy space, you know, an area where you felt most comfortable. Uh, and no matter, uh, it got to a stage where no matter who you're up against, um, you you believed in your own ability. And certainly, you know, I always played, I highlighted in that story, I was, as a five-year-old, I always played above my age. So when you got to play in your own age group, um, and, you know, as you know, there's that, that, that uh, balance between confidence and arrogance. And I suppose at various stages, uh, I, I was probably no different to most athletes, you get that balance wrong. Um, but it's all a part of learning. Uh, but I, I always um, I always had confidence in my own ability, you know, and always backed myself. And I think if you do that, you know, you think about pressure situations, you, you, uh, as an athlete, you can either walk towards it and embrace it, or you can put up a wall and just hope that you succeed. And I think from a young age, you know, with, with dad being heavily involved at, at a high level of softball, it was always about walking towards and embracing it because, as we've talked about, you know, you can fail seven times out of ten and still make the Hall of Fame mm. in our sport. So, you know, yeah, it's, it's, right. it's, uh, you, you, sport is often overcomplicated and we, we create problems for young athletes by filling their minds with thoughts. And, and Grant, you'll, you'll certainly relate to this, is that the, the emptier, no disrespect, but the emptier our heads are, the better our performance will be. You know, so if we can clear our head and clear our mind and trust our skills and ability that we've practiced, you know, thousands and thousands of times, you give yourself a better chance of succeeding. But we, we put so much, you know, especially young athletes, I see, you know, we put so much into their head, um, but don't teach them how to deal with, you know, the, the different phases of performance, you know. So do your thinking on the sideline. Um, but as you get closer to walking over the line and into your performance mode, then then your thinking starts to disappear and you let performance take over. But slumps often come, I've found, when you know the mind takes over from the performance. How, yeah, how does that so sound from, like, from to... Nino University? No, it's uh, <laughs> it, well, you're speaking to someone from uh, Nino Cricket Club here, so that, that's really refreshing to to hear you. Talk about the mental side of the game, Mark, because, I mean, when I look at it, you're absolutely right. When you're at your best as an athlete, you always ask athletes, you say, when were you at your best? Describe how you felt. And they said, I wasn't thinking. So as yeah. Mark Sorensen, the coach, is that what you coach? Do you coach a lot of uh, mental, the mental side of the game? Well, as uh, you know, I learnt from uh, my first World World Cup campaign. We took the guys away and took a, a new young group, and we taught them how to run, hit, throw, steal, do all of the um, you know all of the key functions of the game. But we didn't teach them how the game was played. And you know, we got to the fourth or fifth innings, I think, of the final against Canada, and we were four or five nothing up in a dominant position. But momentum changed, and what we didn't teach the guys was about how to address that momentum, how to stall the momentum, you know, how to slow the game down and try and switch it back. So, yeah, we've, we've, we've certainly integrated that into, you know, into our training. And now, 
we're getting it delivered by um, you know people that are, are more specialised with the mental skills side of it. Um, you know, and, and in fact, the guy that uh, we've just employed recently, who's who's taken over that for us, um, Aaron Walsh, is involved with the Chiefs, but he's also involved with uh, Major League Baseball team, the Texas Rangers. So, you know, sort of knows what is important to you know to our sport and knows the language and stuff. So, uh, really looking forward to uh, the development that he's able to do with our group along those lines because. I, I, I... It's not always a skill-based stuff that gets you over the line. You know, talent will cancel each other out. The higher you go through an event or the further you go through an event, it's it's those little things that really matter. My head's still spinning at the thought of 9-0 University. I'd like to know what they what they teach at 9-0 University. <laughs> the transport course? <laughs> course? Yeah, yeah. On your yeah, own way I, there. I, I, uh, you... I've, yeah, I've used that story a number of times, Efficiently from my days there. <laughs> you played a demanding position defensively, uh, where in a lot of ways, uh, catchers could spend the vast, vast majority of their time just working on that craft, working with their pitching staff, being able to, you know, develop a relationship there. Because in a lot of ways, nurturing a pitcher through or your pitchers through a game is the priority for a catcher. But you brought a very big bat to the equation too. What were you better at? Oh. Well, you know, I've sort of we've talked a lot now about hitting and stuff, but some of the areas that you know I was I was most proud of is the results we I got with my pitches. Um, you know, and I specifically in in '96, uh, Michael White in the final of a world world championship through a perfect game. So, no runs, no hits, no oh, errors, nice. no one no one on base. You know, which had never been done before. So potentially the best pitching performance in the history of the game. Well, that. It, you know, it takes two people involved in that, a battery, you know, a pitcher and a catcher. So I, I was calling, he was throwing a great game, but, you know, I, I was calling the shots. And then in the next World Cup, four years later, Marty Grant, Marty Grant threw a no-hitter. You know, so for two consecutive World Cups, no, different pitchers, none of my pitchers gave up a hit. So, you know, I, I really took a lot of pride in my catching. Um, and it's a, it's a role that you... You know, I, I wasn't mature enough as a 16-year-old to be able to handle it. You know, you've, you've really got to grow into it. You need some miles on the clock. You need some experience because you need to be able to assess the, the flow of the game, you know, what, what the situation is, um, you know, who's batting, uh, what your pitcher strengths are, and to be able to pull all that together to, you know, you go in with a game plan, but sometimes during the game you've actually got to adjust on the fly because... Your, your pitch is a drop ball pitcher, and today's drop ball's not working. So you've got to go with something else. So oh, I don't know. I mean, the the offensive side is always easy to relate to, but as I said, I'm I'm really proud it's of easy um, to measure. the results that we've got. Yeah, it is. You know, in yeah, catching, it's easy to measure. Uh, if you if you win a game and a pitcher pitches well, the pitcher did a great job. But if you lose a game and the pitcher gives up a few home <laughs> runs, it's the catcher's fault. <laughs> He called the wrong pitches. Terribly called guy. Terribly called guy. Yeah. Mark, for someone who had um, such a long time in the game and has been involved in every facet, what do you think, what character traits do you think um, softball players need to become great at the sport? 
Um, I think, you know, it's probably not specific just to softball, but, you know, I think work ethic, you know, you, you, you throw that line out there. That it's funny that the harder I worked, the better I got. Um, mm. And I think you can, you know, you can use that in any sport. If, you, if you're prepared to work hard, um, regardless of professional, amateur or whatever, um, and, and you put the time in, you know, both on and off the diamond, um, you know, good things can come and can happen. Obviously, you need a, a certain element or a certain level of skill. But I think work ethic is one of the most critical things in, in any sport. What do you think of specialisation then uh, at a young age? I'm not saying, you know, hard out, you're telling your child you, you're going to do, you know, 30 hours a week playing softball. But everyone I've spoken to, all the legends in our segment, grew up around the sport at an early age and they had a passion for the sport and they loved it and they became great. However, I know there's a lot of promotion about with kids that play all sports, but it seems that the ones that become truly great are the ones that find a passion for one early on and they spend a lot of time at it. Yeah, but I, I agree. But I, you know, I played rugby, I played soccer, I played basketball. You know, I did a whole bunch of different sports through, through my school years. Uh, and then at you know, it was sort of mid-late uh, college age that I, you, know, you got to the stage where you had to make a choice. And I think, you know, uh, playing a number of sports is is good and it's refreshing because you're not focused 100% on just your sport. Because I think we there's the risk of um, of burning kids out. You know, and I think that's you know, I got to that stage at the end of my career. Um, is burnt out, but you know I think if you're if you're involved in a sport as a 12, 13, 14 year old for 11, 12 months of the year, uh, you're not going to be playing at 27 or competing at 27, 28 because you you're going to be fed up with it. So, you know, I, I absolutely specialising is important, but at a young age, let the kids be kids, let them play mm. uh, because you want them to play because it is it you know you talk about it it is a being it is a passion. You, you want them to go along because they want to be there, not because they have to be there. You know, and that's the difference between uh, wanting to win and needing to win. You know, um, you know that that it, 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 it's a different driver internally, and totally. you know, you you don't want to get that balance wrong because then you know, it creates anxiety, which doesn't you know is not conducive to high performance, and you don't get the result. You won't. Mark Sorensen is our guest. He is our Saturday session legend for this week. Uh, the current, um, of uh, course, uh, New Zealand coach, the Black Sox coach, has a very big year ahead now, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and I want to get onto that now. You know, softball has provided so many great moments. You, you've done so much winning over the years. You've you've had some great characters, amazing athletes. Um, you know, but my favourite name in all of New Zealand sport, Chub Tangaroa, that name is the so cool. Um, and let's be fair, he was damn amazing uh, playing. But, but it, it connotes images of maybe not being the healthiest people um, in the world, Grant. When, when, uh, sorry, Grant, um, Mark. Uh, <laughs> nicknames are Chub and the like. But you've just named a, a winter off-season training squad now, haven't you? Now, this is not a professional sport. People don't earn huge bucks. Um, it's... What, fraught with danger the off-season, Mark? Is that fair to say? Is the coach a little bit sort of full of trepidation as you hit May with a World Championship in November, I think it is? And what sort of shape your players are going to be in? 
Oh, look, we've over the, uh, since our, our failed, ca- failed campaign in Prague, we've we've implemented conditioning standards uh, that are stricter than what we've had before. So, no, I'm not I'm not too worried about that. The guys know the standard that they need to be at in order to stay in the squad. Um, we've probably got more guys going over to North America this off season than what we've had for a long time, right. because you know guys see it as an opportunity to. You can never catch up on games you've missed, but. You know, you, there's an opportunity there to get in some at-bats, some, some games, some innings for the pitches. Um, so in terms of um, uh, trepidation or fear or stuff like that, it's probably more so around the fact that we haven't played for three years. Um, yeah. And that's, you know, that's my biggest concern uh, coming into a World Cup in November is, you know, we're going to have a captain that uh we'll certainly as part of our build-up we'll have 12 or 15 games um but Cole Evans has been our captain for nearly three years and he hasn't captained the game yet you know poor guy there's only so much you can do working in zoom calls and regional and everything like that but ultimately you just want to get out on the diamond together I mean they're still playing you know guys played club stuff and provincial stuff but internationally um you know as you talk about we're, we're an amateur sport you know we couldn't afford to go away for two weeks and then have the guys in MIQ. You know, we couldn't ask them to take four weeks off from their job because a lot of them couldn't do that. So, you know, they're diff- just different um, different challenges, but that it, it, it is what it is. Um, and it's going to be the team that adjusts the best to, you know, the, the challenge over the last few years that's going to do best, their best in, in this event, um, November, December. You know, so that's kind of the focus area for us is about adaptation. Well, Mark, we've already taken 20 minutes um, plus of your time. We could talk for hours. Um, I'm sure you've probably got a lot to discuss um, and get off your chest about Prague and how you're going to go about rectifying things (laughs) later in the year. But we certainly do hope uh, what happens in November and how long you're involved in the game. uh, There's a few more chapters we can, um, you know, add to to the book. And um, we, we really appreciate your time here on SCNZ today. Thanks a lot, Mike. Oh, no, guys, really a pleasure. Uh, thanks for reaching out. Um, great to be involved and, and appreciate the support. All the very best, Mark Sorensen, who, of course, is our Black Sox uh, head coach these days, but an amazing player, amazing two-way player, incredible sort of uh, track record in the sport. And long, Mark, continuing. And again, energy in the voice, excitement. What, 30? He's, he's not tired at mm, all. Humility. Humility. But the passion is still there. It's burning quite brightly. Everyone who's spoken to on the legend legend segment has had that passion, and that's why I asked that. It's it's come from an early age, you know, where he remembers, you know, he's brought up around a softball, um, you know, field or pitch or whatever you call it. But um, that passion is early on, and I don't, you you can't force that upon someone, you know. You you read the book of Andre Agassi with his dad, where Andre Agassi made him play tennis, and he hated. He said he hated the game. He still got to number one. But you want to love the game, and he's still involved in the game. But the thing that struck me the most about him was at the age of 16, he said there's a difference between confidence and arrogance. And walking to the crease and expecting yourself to perform um, or hoping that you perform. And I, I, I caught that comment, and I reckon he had that belief from the age of 16 in a men's game that he was going to perform. And that's pretty exceptional. When you've got that, he must have an amazing uh, mental um, fortitude and resilience. So at a young age, to have that mentality is amazing. And that's what we want to get our New Zealand sports stars to have early on. How do we give it to them? 
Well, a big thanks to Mark Sorensen, who, too, of course, uh, played for New Zealand at just 16 years of age and then was left in the hotel room as the boys went on a, <laughs> went on a bender. By the sounds. <laughs> our coverage, our Saturday session legends segment, that is brought to you, and we do appreciate their support, uh, Somerset. Think independent living with a little help in a service department. Think Somerset Retirement Villages. 19 away from 1 o'clock. The good oil, with the good oil after the break. This is uh, SENZ and the Saturday session. Coming up after one, the good oil will be with you. Clado is ready to rock. I need to just uh, bring, uh, bring you some news. This has uh, been published by the Chelsea Football Club in the last seven minutes. According to an official statement from the club, Chelsea Football Club can confirm that terms have been agreed for a new ownership group led by Todd Bowley, Clear Lake Capital, Mark Walter and Hans Jorgvis to acquire the club of the total investment being made, £2.5 billion will be applied to purchase the shares in the club and such proceeds will be deposited into a frozen UK bank account with the intention to donate 100% to charitable causes confirmed by Roman Abramovich. Of course, Roman Abramovich is selling the club. A UK government approval will be required for the proceeds to be transferred from the frozen UK bank account. In addition, the proposed new owners will commit $1.75 billion in further investment for the benefit of the club. This includes investments in Stamford Bridge, the home ground, the academy, the women's team, and King Meadow, and continued funding for the Chelsea Foundation. The sale is expected to be completed in late May, subject to all necessary regulatory approvals. More details will be provided at the time. So there you go, some sort of resolution on the Chelsea Football Club. Of course, their uh, uh, licence expires uh, at the end of the month. So um, there's some big money there. Almost what the uh, good oil tends to bring home every Saturday afternoon here on SENZ. Here is Clado. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll temper that down. I, I'm, I'm doubting you're going to win £2.5 billion, uh, Clado, but I have high hopes for you. How are you, mate? Oh, I'm very good, but I'm surprised. Did um, Grant's bid get dismissed? I thought he was in the running for Chelsea. Nah, I'll, I'd only bid for Everton, Clado, not oh. Chelsea. We, and we smashed Chelsea last week. <laughs> yeah, anyway, so. and Grant's going to buy them when they're a championship club next year, when they're much cheaper. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, boys, great show so far this morning. We've got a good oil coming up very shortly with uh, Andrew Seabrook, um, CEO down there at Karaka, New Zealand Bloodstock, and Group 1 winning trainer Steve McKee. So big shoes to fall last week. Jack the Lass getting us home in the last, so we'll be doing it again today. Oh, was there late drama? Was there late drama? Late drama last week. We got down to $200, and we put it all on Jack the Lass in the last at Tarapa, and uh, she came from last on the turn, got up in the last bound at $16. There were scenes, absolute scenes here in the studio, I tell you. I was doing cartwheels, backflips, and <laughs> tore a hammy, pulled a muscle, and yeah. <laughs> Swallowed a fly. That could have I'd been like, the catalyst. I'd like to know... I'd like to know, heading into the last, what it's like in the ad breaks when, when you're down, when you're down in that moment. Is there finger point? I bet there is. Well, You've had a shocker today. Well, you lift your game. I'm Clado. Do what I say. To, to be fair, Dennis Ryan tipped us into a $30 winner, and we took dollar trifectas. We ran first, third, and fourth. We had $5 box Quinellas, oh, first, oh. third, and fourth. It was like that all day, and I was getting a bit frustrated, and the boys were just saying, just let it go, Clado. Just let it go. I was like, no, no, we should be making money. Like We should be printing money today, and then it all came to fruition in the last. Oh. It was a great feeling. Great for oh, the Pundas Club. The 20 people in the Pundas Club, they went from nothing to 120 bucks in, you know, two minutes. 
That's fantastic, isn't it? That is fantastic. Yeah. That is good visions of him beating the outside edge repeatedly. And just no wishes. not coming out the nose. He's absolutely <laughs> furious. <laughs> Where's the luck going to turn on the last? All right, Clado, we're going to go. We're a little bit late. Thanks so Thank much, mate. Have a great one. Thank you. Thank Thanks, you, boys. Thanks, Clado. It's uh, almost 10 away from one. Final words after this. All right, we're going to buzz through this grant. Thank you to everyone who's played a part in the program, especially to those who've uh, you know, nominated their Sleep Drops performance of the week. Try New Zealand Street sleepdrops.co.nz for all ages, lifestyle stages, and sleeping challenges. Always read the label and take as directed. All right, it is time for our sporting tips of the week, which you generally should run a mile from. Who wants to go first? I want to go first. You want to go first? How did you go last week? I went poorly. I went really poorly. The roosters poorly. did me. So now I'm, I'm staying away from my league melties, and I'm just going to... You're not doing a 59-league multi like you did the last couple of weeks? No, well, those were successful. I had two weeks of success. All right, clock is ticking, mate. Okay, go. well, I've got... There's an order of the first three tries. I'm going to go... What game's this? This is the Warriors versus the Sharks. Oh, boy. And I'm going to go Warriors, Warriors, Sharks at $10. So you're going to go the Warriors come flying out of the gate, score the yeah. first two tries, yeah. and then concede. Or is it there's no tries for 70 minutes, and then the Warriors? It can be that way. It's okay. just the first three tries. So as right. long as it goes Warriors, Warriors, Sharks, you're in the money. Producer Ben Francis is not listening. Have you no, got a tip for us? Uh I'm tipping the Warriors to win like I do every week. Oh, oh come on, Ben. Put some thought into it. Let's come <laughs> up with some faux angst you can throw at your employer. Come on, the Wellington Saints. I'm tipping the Wellington Saints to beat my corporate daddy, uh, the Otago Nut Nuggets, owned by this very company for which this radio station is on. Right? Nice work so I might Daniel. not be back next week. I might not be back <laughs> ne uh, ne next weekend. So, uh, you know, Stephen from Dunedin is going to hate me even more. You know, I've got a soft spot for the Nuggets going way back. The days of Jerome Fitch and the rest. The Yeti. Yeah, the Yeti come mascot. on the Saints. That's a $1.85, $1.85. That one, keep an eye on it. It's, it's going to be a really tight game because the Saints are just sort of getting their... Um, Multi all three of those up back. as well. A huge thanks to everyone who's played a part, including uh, our guests and our very special guest, Mr. Mark Sorensen. Check out our social media if you missed it. We'll catch you next Saturday. I'll return the keys to Nissan Armstrong now. Ta-da, guys. Bye-bye. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91